0: This podcast brought to you by Earthlink. It's Tuesday, January 17th, 2006.
1: I'm Molly Wood, author of CNET's Buzz Report. And
0: I'm Tom Merritt, author of CNET's The Real Deal.
1: Ooh, welcome to Buzz Out Loud, CNET's podcast of indeterminate length featuring producer Veronica. Hey, hey,
0: hey. Hey, look you look how, better.
1: Look how well she sounds. Hey, hey. Hey,
0: we're all back together and healthy oh, and everything.
1: Hey. Yay. Ah, finally. Ah. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> We really missed each other. And it's last like week old was times. Hard. My
2: life is complete again. Because we're
0: talking about Google. <laughs> well,
2: now I feel right at home.
0: Uh, Google <laughs> uh, bought a radio out. advertising firm named DMark Broadcasting, mm-hmm. and it took Molly and I—I I don't know—fifteen twenty minutes to actually figure out the significance of this. I know. Seriously, um, <laughs> we which, kind of looked
1: at each other like, "Well, it sounds important."
0: Yeah, it's like, "Oh, they're going to add take AdSense to radio." Well, how would that work? Yeah, it's not like. A it's website not like you can where do you can some sort of AI, on the fly
1: contextual targeted ads
0: but basically i think the idea is they will have advertising presence on radio and they can take away a lot of the pain and agony from people if they want to just buy media so it's right. it's a total advertising thing it's not so much about the web part of AdSense. It's just about a company coming to Google and saying, hey, you know what? We have an advertising campaign and Google's saying, great, well, we can give you AdSense on the web and we can give you print ads and we can give you, now we can give you radio. So it's one-stop shopping. Right. So it's really about Google moving into being a media company unless a search company.
1: Although it wouldn't surprise me if they found some super secret way to do the, <laughs> the AI targeting thing. They say, according to the press releases I've read and the news stories, this DMARC is supposed to be fairly innovative in terms of how they deliver and. Their solutions? Their solutions are innovative in terms of how they deliver and are accountable. For your advertising, although yeah. it is unclear, and if you we go to their, their website, that means. you have no idea what they freaking do. But they must have some secret sauce, because Google paid $1.14 billion. I think it or just means... possibly will by 2009. What I...
0: This is my guess, right? Is that you come and you say, I want to reach, you know, 18 to 23-year-old females who love cats. Right. And DMARC says, great, we'll take care of everything. Yep. We'll get you those, and we'll give you reporting in real time, and it's it's all... Very innovative, and your solutions will be delivered. Don't worry.
1: And the paradigm will be yeah, will subvert the dominant the, paradigm. Yeah. So anyway, it's just uh, Google world domination continuing the dominant paradigm. And of course, next TV. <laughs> next comes TV. Yeah, yeah. that is definitely we'll be,
0: the... next week. We'll be checking in on that. Yep, that is the There'll speculation. Be some kind of TV thing.
1: Ooh, I just came out a little froggy there. <laughs> oh no, Tom's you're not getting calm. the cold. No, I'm not getting the cold. Here, this will
0: this will clear your throat. Bell South confirms <laughs> oh, that they want to charge net fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people to get speedier delivery, we've been talking about this idea of backbone providers actually charging more to people to get speedier delivery of their content instead of having the equality of the backbone that we have had heretofore. Mm-hmm. And Bell South says, yes, instead absolutely. Of
1: having the internet work the way it works, they would charge. And I love the MarketWatch lead. Actually, it's quite perfect. Um, Bell South. Corp confirmed Monday that is pursuing discussions with internet content companies to levy charges to reliably and speedily deliver their content and services. Reliably being the word that gets right to the heart of the fear that this entire concept raises, which is that if you don't pay up, (laughs) you don't show up when someone types in your URL. Well, and here's the thing. Up till
0: now, what has made the internet work is its agnosticism. We said this over and over on the podcast, and this flies in the face of that. Now, Bill Smith, the CTO of BellSouth justifies it by saying hey they're using our network without paying for it that's crap they are oh, using not, the network <laughs> they are paying for the network that they use
1: yes! they are paying hosting fees and they pay those hosting fees relative to the amount of their content that is downloaded by users that is if they're a very popular website they pay higher hosting fees
0: it's not like bell south has just opened up their backbone and anybody can use it for free
1: no no not at all. And so for Bill Smith and Bell South to say higher usage for broadband services drives more costs that we have to come cover, recover, don't you even for one second start feeling sorry for them and start feeling like, oh, these really popular websites should pay more of their share because they already do. And this is an out and out lie.
0: Because the way it happens is the Internet service providers pay the backbone for access to the backbone based on how much of that backbone they're going to use. And then that cost is passed along. To the websites that are hosted on that right. provider.
1: And don't, and also don't. And to think you
0: surfing the web, you're paying for it too.
1: Yeah. Oh, so yeah.
0: Charging tw- two or three times.
1: And if Apple, like he suggests, suddenly has to pay a little bit extra to ensure that you get a complete and rapid transmission of a song on the iTunes Music Store, you better believe that your song is going to start costing more than 99 cents or $1.99 or however much they end up charging for it.
0: I, I mean, I, I you know what? It's all about the bottom line, and, and I understand it, that.
1: It, what it comes down don't to, don't try though, to sell
0: us a bill of goods that this is, you know, well, it's just a cost of doing business we have to recover. No, yeah. it's profit. You and are the after fact more profit. Is
1: that they are sitting there, and they're looking at the iTunes Music Store, and they're looking at voice over IP and ways that online companies are making money from online services, and they're going, hey... We ought to get a cut of that because all of a sudden it's way much more, way beyond just a website.
0: Well, and the telcos, are that's the one that's got them going. And I I need to dig into this issue a little more because what's really got them going is VoIP. They're saying, look, if VoIP works, we're going to lose our business as a telecommunications provider and we need to recover that cost somehow. And this is their their best way to go
1: is to charge the internet and you know what <laughs> and i charge users i don't know
0: maybe nice. the model is such that that their their telecommunications business is somehow subsidizing their backbone business I, I i don't know i don't know
1: but if so isn't that just a bad business decision and not our problem
0: well it's our problem if they go out of business and they can't provide the backbone service anymore
1: well i guess but somebody will what i think is actually <laughs> really interesting is well, that's that easy to say that even mark cuban internet entrepreneur Uh is saying that these fees are critical to the survival of the internet our ability to consume bandwidth is growing far far faster than the speed at which it is being added the more bandwidth we consume the more internet traffic jams we have but isn't shouldn't the call to action be hey we need to improve bandwidth and we need to start talking about providing gigabit ethernet and finding ways to do ipv6 and whatever it is that's going to Improve our ability to deliver well, that Fib- content and well, fiber. Fi-
0: fiber is what improves bandwidth, and the telcos are saying to roll out all this fiber, we need to be able to, to recover those costs and, and charge more for it. And so they Cuban's, do you're Cuban, you say Cuban, they charge Cuban,
1: Apple more, they charge whoever for the. I mean,
0: do you think Cuban's is Cuban saying he agrees with the telcos? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, that's in, that's very interesting. I know. I think he's that a is, content player.
1: He says Cuban wants telephone and cable and wireless companies to work out a way to deliver traffic at various levels of service quality. Yes, that will mean some content will cost more if we want it faster, he conceded, but that will be our choice. That'll be whose choice? I don't know. That's what I wonder. The consumers? Because it's certainly not my choice to get some content slower because they can't afford it or to not get it at all. If this is really a bandwidth allocation scheme, then what you're talking about is allocating more bandwidth to people who pay more at the expense of the people who pay less. And if you really are that concerned about bandwidth, then you're pretty clearly saying that some content providers who can't afford to pay aren't going to get through it all.
0: And the idea of a blogger starting out just with his website mm-hmm. and then building it into a multi-million dollar business, as has happened, right. uh, becomes it more difficult. Right. It doesn't say they can't happen, but there's another barrier there right. that you have to surmount because your, your stuff isn't being delivered as fast as others. Now, one thing to take note of, just, just pull us back a second, is that they're not going to decrease the current speed. What they're saying is they're going to charge for incremental speeds. Mm-hmm. So a web page is still going to deliver as fast as a web page delivers now. It's additional services that are bandwidth consumptive like video. Mm-hmm. But,
1: yeah, but if they're we're prioritizing starting to see video blogging already. right? And so that could be a break on that kind of innovation. But isn't it possible that if they're prioritizing video delivery that that bandwidth can come at the expense of somebody. I mean, it's sort of like when you're on the cable network and all your neighbors are on at the same time mm. and you have a slower connection.
0: Theoretically, I don't I don't think that's the real issue, though. I think what they're saying is we can we can guarantee this speed of delivery for everyone and then people who pay will yeah, get extra. Yeah, but everybody
1: knows that speed delivery guarantees are just a lie, though.
0: Well, I don't think the current speed deliveries would be a lie. Well, I don't know. They can guarantee current speed. Can now, they? Yeah, they can, but... I don't what know if what they really
1: can, though. I mean, as I think a what consumer... You're really,
0: I think what you're really after... Well, no. I mean, over the backbone, sure they can. But what I think what you're after is, would they then degrade things without telling, without admitting
1: it? Of course they would. That's exactly what I'm after. And yeah. yes, of course they would. And so, no. It's a grubby... Just stop grubbing. Stop get sitting your in your hands little... hands off my internet. Stop sitting in your little back rooms just trying to think of ways to get more money. Because you know what? You kind of have enough. Seriously. There's nothing wrong
0: with profit. Just be honest about it.
1: Ugh. There's something wrong with obscene profits. At some point, you can't. You have to stop saying there's well, nothing wrong with profit there's because there's a problem it, with
0: lying, and there's a problem with profit at the expense of the public welfare. Yeah, perhaps is what you're, maybe you're saying. I uh, guess so. Uh, Intel Max may in fact boot on Windows XP after all, according to an Australian Intel site. We saw this on uh, on XP, mm-hmm. but then there's uh, a lot of so debate about this because not uh, on XP. What did I say? I totally, <laughs> a bunch of crazy stuff. But anyway, uh, but. Uh,
1: Ars know. Technica
0: has tried it and couldn't get it to work, you said, right?
1: Apparently, yeah. It was either Ars Technica or Tom's Hardware, Hardware. in one of their reviews um, tried to dual boot and couldn't, couldn't get it to work at first. I think they maybe got it working, but it's sort of hacked together. Anyway, that, I'm skeptical of any post that starts with, we'll have to wait till someone actually tries it.
0: Don Dan Warren in Australian <laughs> Personal Computer Magazine reports that news coming from Intel in Australia says that the fact that XP doesn't support EFI which replaces the BIOS in the new Max, mm-hmm. which is the basic input-output system underlying your machine, uh, shouldn't be an insurmountable obstacle. Right. But you would have to surmount it.
1: Yes. But that's
0: important if and that's true. And how hard would that be?
1: Yeah, no, it definitely.
0: And what it, I, I was talking with Roger Chang on Sunday about the fact... Uh, who is Roger Chang? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, so, you always name drop Roger Chang like he's so famous.
0: <laughs> some people know who he is. Okay. I was talking with this guy named Roger then, whatever. <laughs> but we were talking about... There was the Dual Core CPC at CES, uh-huh. which ha- used the Dual Core to actually run Windows Tablet Edition, Windows XP Tablet Edition, and Windows Mobile Edition, both on one, uh, one machine. Mm-hmm. And then the idea being you could use it both as a tablet or as a desktop, and then when you need to save battery and you're on the go, right. you hot-swap over to Windows Mobile while it's running, right? Sweet. Very cool. Yeah. What if you could do that with a bigger machine and have OS Ten running on one core And Windows XP, or Windows Vista, even, running on the other core.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, we haven't even solved the dual boot problem. Well, with Vista, Vista
0: will be able to boot.
1: Yeah, that would be, I mean, hot swapping or, like, fast user switching between operating Mm. systems. Oh, Oh, my God. Can you imagine how cool that would be? Yeah. Anyway, apparently. And all the same files accessible, right? Yes. Without having to dual boot. Exactly. Apparently, there are some questions about who who would even want to dual boot between um, Windows and Mac OS X. Doug from New Jersey has some answers.
2: Molly, Tom, and Veronica. This is Doug from Woodbury, New Jersey. I'm actually the guy that recommended Jet Audio to you about a month ago, uh, and I did it anonymously. didn't mean to do that, so, but I hope that's working out well for you. Anyway, uh, I'm glad to hear you guys are back from Macworld, and I just uh, wanted to make a comment. There seems to be a lot of circulation of uh, people that have Apple um, Macintosh machines that are wondering why anybody would want to run Windows on a Macintosh like myself. Well, one of the reasons that nobody seems to be bringing up is the fact that if I run an Apple... Uh, machine like a, uh, a PowerBook, now a MacBook, and I have to repurchase all that PC software so I can run it on Apple. That is potentially hundreds if not thousands of dollars that I have to respend on software that I'm already using. If I could do a dual boot and a Macintosh machine, I would be thrilled. So I'm hoping that um, XP or at least Vista, whenever they decide to get uh, get that going, will be able to, to uh, run those same programs so I don't have to repurchase all that anyway. I just wanted to bring that up because I don't hear anybody talking about that. Glad you guys are back and i enjoy your podcast totally addicted to it and uh, keep the good work going veronica i'm glad you're feeling better sweetheart talk to you guys later bye
1: yes yeah that's one no, that's a good point part of it's just being cool part of it's just awesomeness yeah or, or, But the software cost thing is huge i mean definitely because it, it sounds like those you're not going to be able to port those apps necessarily over to os 10 running on the mechtel and
0: it's kind of like having thing. internet explorer if you're a firefox user having internet explorer for those few times that Something just doesn't work in Firefox. You can launch Internet Explorer. You can there be an OS X user and be like, "Oh, this doesn't work in Mac." Let me just hot swap over to Windows.
1: Exactly. Be like, you know, I just can't browse on the Mac.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I'm cruising over. I Windows. browse on the
0: Mac ninety percent of the time, but oh, I can't pay my student loan, so I have to give hot swap over to Windows. There you
1: now. go. Um, in other news, apparently the Sony BMG rootkit is still widespread on hundreds of thousands of networks across the globe. Including many military and government networks Oh that's a good idea That's awesome They appear to still contain PCs With the controversial copy protection software Installed by music discs Sold by media giant Sony BMG
2: Wow
1: They have put the entire (laughs) nation at risk The entire world That was
0: a stunned wow I know Wow
1: so uh, security, infrastructure security expert Dan Kaminsky says, quote, it is unquestionable that Sony's code has gotten into military and government networks and not necessarily just U.S. military and government networks. You know, I feel I bet you feel sorry now, Thomas Hess, don't you? I bet people, the people don't even. Hey, mister, people don't even know what a rootkit is, so why should they care?
0: There are people who are wondering why they they played that CD in their military computers. It's going to be men too. with
1: Good black point.
2: jackets and glasses showing up at his door <laughs> no, seriously. shortly. Can yeah. you
1: imagine being the company that caused potentially an international com- network security risk? Oh. Nice. Good work, Sony. All right, coming up, we've got a little uh, war, mini war going on between Dell and
0: Apple, another Windows vulnerability, and an amazing copyright issue involving MLK's I Have a Dream speech.
2: Do you believe anything is possible? At Earthlink, we do. We believe the same company that delivers your lightning fast DSL connection can deliver your home phone service and wireless service too. One company for all your communication needs. Visit Earthlink.net and start believing today. Earthlink, we revolve around you.
1: Alright, I love this next story.
2: So uh I love yeah, it. yes, go with it.
1: Okay. So <laughs> apparently in nineteen ninety-seven uh, shortly after Steve Jobs returned to Apple, Michael Dell was asked at a technology conference what they could do to fix Apple, which was at that point in the, in the, in the, in the toilet. Was this,
0: okay. Was it right after Jobs? Yeah. Okay.
1: Right after he came back. Michael Dell says, what would I do? I'd shut it down and give the money back to the shareholders. Ugh, ouch. I know. That hurts. Six years ago that happened. Michael's not
0: known for being the friendliest guy. Oh, you know, he's pretty blunt, whatever. He's he's vicious.
1: So on Friday, apparently, Apple's stock market valuation surpassed Dell, making Apple worth more than Dell, at which point... Nine years later. Six years later. What, 97? Yeah. Oh, nine years. Yeah. Oh, Oh, I'm not so good with the math. (laughs) And then you're laughing at me. That's even longer. Yeah, I was like, whatever, dude. Nine years. Anyway, nine years later, that happened. Thanks, Tom. Good memory, Steve. And Steve Jobs sends an employee to email, an email to all the Apple employees, which said, Team, it turned out that Michael Dell wasn't perfect at predicting the future. Based on today's stock market close, Apple's worth more than Dell. Stocks go up and down, and things may be different tomorrow, but I thought it was worth a moment of reflection today. Just like Steve. an elephant. And at the end of that, <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> the really the only the the biggest thing that makes this newsworthy is the fact that Steve Jobs has been sitting there stewing over that comment for nine years, like an
0: elephant. Mad Dog never forgets. That's right. He remembers everything you've said.
2: <laughs> no, Uh-oh.
0: now I'm worried. Wait till you make it into an email, then you'll be up there with Michael Dell. Seriously. like Molly Woods Steve said, God. ten That's years never ago. gonna happen. Nine uh, years. But it is kind of interesting to think about. I mean, step back for a minute. I mean, Apple surpassed Dell. That still doesn't, I mean, still leaves PC architecture with a huge share of the market. Yeah. Because it's open. Yep. I mean, not totally open, but it's allowed to be open. manufactured. It's opener. So, you know, you got Intel, you've got OS ten able to boot on, on Sony VAIO. Just
1: let it happen, Steve. Seriously. Let it go. Speaking yeah. of open, apparently the Windows Wi-Fi network feature a is open. a little too open. <laughs> One of um I think the best features of Windows, is its ability to automatically search for Wi Fi connections mm-hmm. can be exploited by hackers and let them get access to um all the information on your hard drive. <laughs> I have actually <laughs> <That> sucks.
2: <laughs> I have actually
0: found this feature of Windows XP to be annoying sometimes. Oh. Right? Because I like the, it. the way it automatically adds anything you've ever connected to to the list of things to connect to. Yeah. And then sometimes out of nowhere, it'll be like, I'm connected to T-Mobile. I'm like, I don't want to be connected to T-Mobile. And I have mm. to go in and undo it and connect to CNET Public or, you know, whatever it is, SSID. I would, I would rather it not work that way. And apparently at ShmooCon, uh, <laughs> vulnerability research Mark Loveless showed a good reason why it shouldn't. Why it because. Shouldn't. Uh, The machine broadcasts the SSID of the last computer it connected with in in an attempt to find it if it can't find anything else. Mm -hmm. And then that's what the hackers exploit is they, I think they, uh, they use that IP address or
1: something. They add you to a a PC peer-to-peer network, basically. Uh They can include your PC in a peer-to-peer network and then get access to information on your hard drive unless you have a firewall. So it's a pretty easy fix, software firewall, possibly not the Windows firewall. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But anyway. Bummer for Windows. More bummer news for Windows. Also, More- you can
0: disable, and you should disable peer to peer.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. On you, totally your,
0: should. you should not. I mean, you, if you've ever been searching around for access points and you see the little like people's card names, like at, at, at Macworld at the mm-hmm. keynote, oh, they were I saw everywhere. tons of people's computers yeah. available. You need to shut
1: that off. Don't let that happen. Don't let this happen to you. Also, don't let this happen to you. In DRM, in copyright news, in copyright out of control, yesterday, as you may know, was uh, Martin Luther King Day. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Which is what? One reason we didn't have a podcast. How come it's called Martin Luther King Day?
0: Martin Luther King Jr. Day? Is it? Yeah. I
1: don't know. It I, is. I always thought so, but everyone says... All right. Anyway. So, you know, the 1963 I Have a Dream speech, which um, is one of those things where you read it and it's really powerful, but when you hear it, it's unbelievable. But think back. How many times have you heard it? Me? I've heard it like Once. Maybe twice. See it on, heard TV of it yeah. on TV. Snippets on TV. Yes, once heard as this uh, Washington Post story points out, it is impossible to forget. But which is good because many students won't get to hear it, and most who do will hear only snippets. Educators and historians said because the Martin Luther King Jr. Foundation co- charges copyright fees to listen to it, like a lot of copyright. Enough, fees? apparently, that that schools can't
0: afford a lot, it. A lot of schools don't don't ever play it because they can't afford the. Uh, the copyright. That's so
1: mean. I know.
0: Yep. I know. The King family is not alone in its decision to control the use of his work, however. Former President Richard Nixon sold his papers to the U.S. government for $18 million. Wow.
1: So yeah, this is says, not,
0: this is, you know.
1: The King family has gone to court several times since 1990s to protect its copyright on pr- all of King's speeches and papers.
0: President John F. Kennedy's inaugural address is in the public domain. So it's, it's sort of haphazard how this happens.
1: Right. It seems to be up to the individual.
0: We probably need to jump ahead to the voicemail. We do huh? need to cruise all right, let's uh we got a call from Anonymous. We like it when you keep your comments short, but hey, say your name.
1: Yeah,
2: come on. Just
0: first name's fine. Go ahead.
2: Hey, Tom and Molly, quick question. With all the um, video services coming out for uh, pay to download videos, do you think um, a site like all of mb3.com, the Russian mp 3 site, will start selling videos? Do you think something like that would surface? Thanks, love the show. Bye.
1: Could all of MP3 sell videos? Um, all of
0: MP3, if you don't know, is the, a site that exists in Russia and sells MP3s uh, based on their quality at a very, very low price. Mm-hmm. And then there is a, they are sort of legal in Russia. <laughs> uh, Only in
1: Russia, though. And it's
0: very questionable whether it's legal for you if you don't live in Russia to buy things from them.
1: Yeah, I think the consensus is that it is not yeah, anyway, everybody does. Not. And if they were to then start selling copy protected videos the way they now sell copy protected digital music files, I suspect that would only hasten their demise. My guess is they're on it. Yeah, I'm sure they're <laughs> on it. But that is like... I mean, like,
0: you keep saying like they're going to demise like they, they exist in the U.S. They, they, they There's nothing nobody after them. Well,
1: but it was as long only... As they pay their bride The money. only reason that they're still operating in Russia is because of a weird copyright law loophole. Like, the Russian government wants to shut him down, but there's a you weird... You pay the
0: right people, loopholes will appear. Good point. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. And also,
1: first rule of Russian mafia, don't talk about Russian mafia.
0: Yeah. I didn't say that.
1: Stan,
2: moving along quickly. Yes,
1: yeah, save us, Stan. in Detroit wants to know uh, the deal with the duo.
2: Hey, guys. Uh, this is Stan from Detroit. Uh, I just wanted to know what people are saying about the actual power of this new processor, the duo, um, uh, especially in desktops. I mean, how does it compare to Athlon 64, things like that. All right, thanks. Bye.
0: So what do we got? You've you've dug up a few things about the Duo um, so far. It's, yeah, basically the, are starting the first in.
1: reviews are starting to trickle in. Tom's Hardware has uh, a review, but basically they, they focus on the battery life, whether the Core, core Duo chip sacrifices battery life for performance. Um, In short, they found that the battery life is really bad, but it doesn't seem to be because of the chip, which is power efficient. It seems to maybe be related to the graphics. In terms of sheer power, Ars Technica reviewed the iMac with benchmarks. Check out that review. They say it wipes the floor with G5-based counterparts, but not when it is um, doing Rosetta emulation, Okay, which is also not a surprise. As it compares directly to the Athlon 64 chips, I don't know. But I'm sure that we here at CNET will have full and complete benchmarks comparisons. Well, and, and this too. is
0: uh, in relation to the iMac. I mean, we actually have a. Uh, I think we have an iMac Core Duo on CNET. We have a, uh, a review that, that published in December, just of the chip, though. Yeah. No. It's not of it in action. Right. It's in a test bed, so it's it's kind of. I'm I'm, I'm going to look it up, but okay. uh, yeah. But wow. that's in relation to the, in in, in situ, in the I, iMac is going to tell you a lot more. Yeah. Because it's a real world situation. And we
1: will follow up on that further. Um, finally, emails. Another Apple question. Why is Apple shipping all computers with the Mighty Mouse, a two-button mouse, but the MacBook kept the one giant button? Which I know. I mean, I was Once sitting there. Once you
2: get a two-button mouse, you don't go back. It's just ridiculous. Why I was did sitting do there that?
1: I was sitting there in the keybo- key- keynote, like, the tell key me boat? you're going to have a freaking. The the keyboard
2: I was tell floating me you're gonna in the keyboard I have a
1: freaking two button mouse on that thing. but oh no no which is I agree it's just silly so you anonymous do indeed win a shout out to your multimedia class at Stanley middle School in San Diego California even though you anonymous did not tell me your name <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that is all we have for today unless Tom has discovered nope. the answer that's but, it uh,
0: that's all I got uh, we'll,
1: we'll post whatever we find in the forum Stan
0: there's a review there's a uh, short take by Justin Jaffe mm-hmm. that's it that's mm-hmm. all we got. Uh, 1-800-616-CNET is the phone number. You can email buzz at CNET.com uh, or you can post in our forums, forums.cnet.com. Look for the Buzz Out Loud lounge. Bye.
2: Bye. Goodbye.
1: <laughs> um, they actually just asserted that they are in talks. It's not so much confirmed.